So if you haven't picked up on it by yet, <clears throat> this is the first Sunday in Lent. There's a big debate whether it's in Lent or of Lent. These are important things. <laughs> so it's, it's in Lent. We're ta- Salvation could depend on this, guys, you know. Um, <laughs> all right, sorry. Yeah, so we, yeah, churches have split over less. Um, so we are beginning a new sermon series, and uh, it's called Giving Up Worry. And today we're going to be talking about, we're going to read from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, beginning right there in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the Scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The Scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him, serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. May we be blessed this morning by the reading and the hearing of these words from our scriptures. Let's pray. Good morning, Lord. We thank you for this time, this place, this opportunity to gather together with family and friends and loved ones, to sing your praises, to to enjoy each other's company, to be lifted up, and to lift others up, to remember those that are on our hearts, and to share with one another our hearts joined together in prayer. Basically, we thank you for an opportunity to gather as a community, at least what community is called to be. And now, as a community, we, we turn our attention to you, and hopefully to you alone, and to your to these words of our scriptures so that we might be transformed. Not, it's not just a hearing of a story that might be familiar for all of us. In fact, sometimes there's a danger in the familiarity because we think we've heard it all before. But that we might open our ears to hear once again from you, to be touched by your Holy Spirit, maybe broken so that we can be transformed into the people that you've called and created us to be together. (coughs) Hide me behind your cross so that it is you that we experience here this morning, your grace and your peace, your love, 
your joy, your justice, your righteousness. We pray all these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen. So I woke up this morning, and I started thinking. Yeah, it is, right? Um, I started thinking about my life. I started thinking about my faith. Um, and, I, and I came in and I jotted a few things down. One is I'm 52 years old. I'm young. Yep. My daughter's 19. My son is 16. I've been married for 30 years. It'll be 31 years in July. I've been in vocational ministry for 21 years. 21 years. And I started thinking about why did I go into vocational ministry? And uh, four things popped right into my head really quick. Uh, The first one is I fell in love with Jesus just a few years before that. So in my late 20s, I fell in love with Jesus. Um, Probably for the first time in my life, I actually became a Christian. Um, In fact, if you want, I can have coffee with you and tell you the whole sordid tale. But um, So I fell in love with Jesus. And that led to number two, which was because I had fallen in love with Jesus, I wanted to learn more about God. And so where do you, where do you learn more about God? Well, you, you could work for a church and you could go to seminary. So, okay, that made sense. Right, because that's what most people would think. If I want to learn more about God, let me just go get a master's degree in it. Um, <laughs> And then I began working in youth ministry, because that's what you do, apparently. And, uh, and the reason, though, I enjoyed youth ministry is because I wanted to work with youth so that I could hopefully love them in such a way and be with them in such a way that I could help them avert making some of the same ridiculous decisions that I made and maybe not live with the same guilt that I was living with. Um. I don't, I don't know if I did that or not, but that was my goal anyway. Um, and, then, and then the fourth thing was, if, if all of this is true, what I had learned about Jesus, uh, what I was learning about God, the, the transformation that took place in my heart, if it was all true, again, this was just for me, right? This is not a judgment. This is not, it's just, if this is all true, I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. There's, there, like, there was nothing else in my life that, could, that would be as important to me as this. I still feel that way. Um, there's, there's been a lot of times over the years that I've wanted to do something else. Um, because, I mean, during the past 21 years, I've forgotten and remembered these reasons more times than I can count, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you're doing something, and then you lose sight of why you're doing it, and you're just sort of going through it, and then it becomes meaningless to you, and then you've got to stop for a second and be like, now, why am I doing this again? I've also noticed that when I stop and I think about why am I doing this again, it reshapes actually what I'm doing. Because if I'm just going through the motions, I end up going somewhere else that I never intended to go. 
kind of like my first career, right? I, I went to school, and uh, I, I started out a fine arts major. And uh, because I, I love, I still do, I love art. And, uh, and I, I even liked the art history classes, right? Like, I just, and I just loved it all. And, but then there were some classes I wanted to avoid, and I forgot why I was an art, fine arts major. There was classes I wanted to avoid, so I switched major, right? And I, and I was like, well, I'll be an art teacher. I still got to take that class, and now I got to take education classes. I don't want to be, I don't want to take education classes. I just want to teach, right? And so <laughs> I just want to, and uh, yeah, somehow didn't I get that? My mom's a teacher. Did, like I've already, anyway, um, so I, was, I don't want to do that. And then, um, so okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do a graphic design minor because now at this point you've got all those classes and you don't want to just be like, oh my gosh, I got to add two more years of this thing, right? So I became a graphic my, my minor was in graphic design. My major became a communications major with an emphasis on advertising and public relations. So think about where I set out and where I ended, right? Because I lost sight of why I was even there. It was just, I got to get through this thing. And it went from, I want to study art, this is what I want to do, to I, now, okay, actually, I, I just need a degree. <laughs> right? And so the, then I ended with a degree, and I got a job as a graphic designer, and this is not in my notes. I don't know why I'm doing this. But um, I think it illustrates how often we just sort of float through life, don't we? Became a graphic designer. Uh, then uh, went, ended up in um, marketing. And then from marketing, ended up in sales. And I wanted to be, I wanted to go into fine arts. And now I'm a pastor. <laughs> and I'm 52. But I also can't imagine doing anything else. But sometimes I get so busy being a pastor, I forget why I'm doing it, and I just sort of wander through it. And I think also, as I was thinking about this this morning, some of my reasons have changed from originally getting into it, right? Like, for example, I no longer do youth ministry. I mean, I still care about the youth, but I'm not engaged in youth ministry. But again, I still can't imagine anything more important to do with my life. Now, this is difficult. Think about this. Uh, when you find yourself in a place where you believe what you're doing doesn't really matter or isn't making a difference. And those of you that are close to me, you know that I go through these, we'll just call them spells, <laughs> where I begin to think to myself, I am wasting my time. What I do doesn't matter. It's not making a difference. And now imagine, right? Nothing more important, and even this is not important. Where does that take you? It can lead to some very depressing moments for me. And this morning I was talking to Jer and I was like, I wonder sometimes if I'm like manic depressive because I can have these moments where I'm like, whoo, and I am flying, man. And I'm like, we are going to work. We're going to conquer the world. And then like two days later, I can be like, it doesn't matter what I do. 
And being my friend, I can't even imagine being my spouse. I'm exhausting. <laughs> right? I'm an exhausting person. Yeah. <laughs> right? But then, but then these, these are these moments where I have to spend time praying and contemplating and rethinking. Because if anything, I like to be intellectually honest with myself. And I begin to ask myself questions like this. What am I doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Should I be doing what I'm doing? Does what I am doing even matter to me or to others around me? And then why does it or doesn't it matter? Is it because I'm not doing it right? Is there something else I should be doing? Or is there something I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing? Do I care about the right things? Or should I even care? And as I was writing these questions this morning to myself, it reminded me of Lent. Right? For some of us, Lent is a time when we give something up, and then all we do is we turn around and we take it back on Easter. Think about how, like, the, the, we give up chocolate so that we can have a chocolate bunny on Easter morning. <laughs> and then by then, we're ready to devour the entire bunny ourselves. Like, <laughs> right? But, but I believe that Lent should be a time where we pause and reset. And, and it, in this time of pausing and reset, it may result in us giving something up, but not just for a period of 46 days. We say 40, but there's some Easter's in there that we don't count. Or there's some Sundays in there that we don't count, right? But it's actually 46 days by the time you go from Ash Wednesday to Easter. Um, and so we give it up. But I'm going to suggest that if we give something up, it actually should be something that we, that, that we think about and we've contemplated on and we've asked ourselves these questions and it's actually things that are keeping us from doing the things or being the person that we believe we're called to be and to do. Right? I, I, I have to go back and I have to think about why am I doing what I'm doing? I have to ask myself all of those questions that I just went through. And then, is there things in my life that I should be doing or shouldn't be doing? And I need to get rid of those things. Or, or maybe I need to add some things. Maybe Lent is actually a time of adding something. Or maybe it's just a time to try to be. But, but it's this time of preparation this time of, of like double-checking, of being equipped for who and what we're supposed to be about. And this is what's happening with Jesus in our passage of Scripture this morning, which, by the way, is a great model for Lent, which is why often in the lectionary, it's one of the first readings for the first Sunday of Lent, which, to be honest with you, I had forgotten until someone else asked me, oh, are you following the lectionary this year? To which I said, nope. 
I'm not dogging on the lectionary. It's a wonderful tool for someone else. So, so what's happening here, right, is there's this verbal battle that's going on between Jesus and the Satan, the tempter, in which the tempter tries to divert the obedience of Jesus or the Son of God from his path. There's a path that's set before Jesus. Jesus is in his 40 days prepping for it, and all of a sudden there's all these temptations, there's these three temptations that come before Jesus and he's got to sort of deal with before he's ready to go on and be who he's supposed to be and do what he's supposed to do. And the underlying aspect of the conflict, if you look at the whole gospel of Matthew, is that there's this conflict between the kingdoms of God or the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. It's actually a clash of kingdoms is what we see. That there's a battle going on between Jesus and the temptation. Are you going to be about the kingdom of God or are you going to be about the kingdoms of this world? It's a great question for us today. Which kingdom, which empire is going to be the one that gets our allegiance? Which one is the one that we're going to live for and that we're going to be for? And ultimately, it comes down to which kingdom are you going to trust? For Jesus, the first temptation took the form of an offer of bread when he was hungry after fasting for 40 days. Notice this. These temptations come after the 40 days of prep, not during the 40 days of prep. Right? So he's hungry. But after these 40 days of preparation... He's prepared to stand stand firm in the face of temptation. Yes, he's hungry. Now, what is this temptation about? It's interesting to note that some Jewish expectations at the time of the Messiah was that this this Messiah would be able to reproduce the manna miracle and supply bread for all the people. The manna miracle being the miracle in the wilderness. And that the expectation was that the Messiah would make sure that everyone was fed. This is one of the things that the Messiah would be able to do. And so Jesus is challenged to demonstrate that he qualifies as the Messiah. If you truly are who you say you are, make bread. And if you notice, Matthew takes it and changes it from a singular bread from Mark into a plural. These stones. And make bread, plural. Not feed yourself, but now this is an opportunity Right? The temptation is actually to use his divine power to alleviate hunger, not just for himself, but for everyone. Right? This would meet an obvious need and correspond to a popular messianic expectation and would give him enormous political power. You think about that. So this is something that actually looks good at first glance. I mean, what's, how great would it be to stop and turn bread or turn stones into bread and feed everybody? That's actually a really good thing. It's a good thing. But with a closer, a little bit closer examination, we can see that there's going to be a problem, though. Because what's the purpose for the bread? Was it actually to feed people or was it to prove something? To make the bread at that time is self serving. 
Because there's going to be, come, there's going to be later in the Gospel of Matthew, not, for, not far down the road, like maybe, uh, let's see, next chapter, he's actually going to feed a lot of people bread. But that's when it's about the people. Right now, it's about the person. Right? And the same is true for the next two temptations. The action is not obviously wrong, nor is the devil's quotation of Scripture for his purpose a case of obviously perverse interpretation. But he is quoting Scripture, Jesus is, and then Jesus responds. It's interesting. I, I had this in my notes. I don't think I kept it in my notes because I couldn't figure out why. Um, but it was interesting to me that every time Jesus responds, it's actually out of the book of Deuteronomy. It, it would be fun to have coffee and talk about that. And I don't know why, but... But anyway, the temptations illustrate that even the well-intentioned theology as an interpretation of Scripture can become the vehicle of an alternative path of obedience that leads to power rather than to service to God and to others. This is not about get, getting, getting power for ourselves. This is about being transformed as people who follow Jesus, who are committed to the kingdom of God for the benefit, for the service of others. And I was thinking about this this morning. When we use it to create power, what happens is we leave a wake of wounded persons in our path. So then the final temptation for Jesus is to rule the kingdoms of the world. To assume the role of the Roman emperor is actually what's being offered. But Jesus is not going to deviate from worshiping the one true God, even for the noble purpose of taking over all of the kingdoms of the world. Again, if Jesus had taken over all the kingdoms of the world, what a different world it would be. But if the temptation isn't for the benefit of the world at this point, it's still about you having the rule, the authority. So what am I doing? What are we doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? Because I've always done it? There is a reason, probably, that you started it. Have you lost sight of it? Is it just something that we do now? Right? I mean, I had my four original reasons, which have changed over time, kind of. I think often we, we want to run out, we want to get busy doing the work for Jesus. We feel like, all right, I just need to get busy. I need to be busy. Well, then what actually happens is our purpose is to be busy. Right? How many, how many wonderful things can I do? And they're wonderful things, sure. So is making bread for everybody. But are there things we should be doing? Is there thing, are there already other people doing it? Right? But we feel like if we aren't doing something for Jesus, that we're not being Christian. 
But being a Christian is just that. Being. Becoming. At the core, the essence of who we are. Being transformed And then the things that we do become a natural outpouring of who we are. Did you notice, as we read through the passage of Scripture, and as we just kind of spent a few moments looking at the three temptations, that Jesus is being tested with doing? Did you, did you catch it? Let's look back real quick, just in case. Right? Jump off. Make bread and worship me. Those are all three doings. Jesus isn't focused on the doing right now. He's focused on the being. And I've come to understand that right now, at least at this moment, right, because as I'm asking myself these questions, the most important thing that I can do is work, is be. Be a follower of Jesus. Be in love with Jesus. Be a safe place for all people. Again, I've said it over and over and over again, but I want to be the type of person that if you show up at my house, you feel safe sleeping on my couch. And then you want to come back because you liked it so much. And you just felt comfortable and you just felt safe to just let it all down. Your guard down and sleep on my couch. And then I want this place to be that. Right? I want to I be a safe community for those who have been harmed often in the name of Jesus. And, and maybe the thing that we are doing is creating that community. Not for us. Yeah, we're going to get it, right? I mean, I like being in a safe community. But have we reached the point, can we reach the point where the community isn't about me, though? It's about creating a community for those outside the community. And then the growth isn't about Look at our numbers, but the growth is we have created space for people to come and to be safe. This world is not safe. And I'm not trying to make you afraid. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not talking about, so be careful where you're walking at night. I'm just talking about, man, we are ready to destroy each other and not think twice about it. Maybe that's what we're supposed to be right now. And yeah, a natural outpouring is we're going we're gonna to do clothing closets, right? We're going we're gonna to do food drives. We're going to do these things. That's what we do. But that's not who we are. So the question then, this Lent, is this. What's keeping me, what's keeping us from doing that? Is there something, is there a temptation in my life, in your life, that is keeping you from being able to help create a community that's safe.
Is there something that's keeping you from being a safe person? And if there is, that's the thing to get rid of. That's the thing to give up this Lent. Amen.